0: to A Life of Gusto. I'm your host, Augusto Andres. On this episode, my guest is chef and entrepreneur Hilary Jacobs. In 2008, she started Hills Cooking and Catering, and since then, she's been serving up delicious meals and desserts for corporate events, neighborhood pop-ups, and everyday people around the Bay Area. Join us today for a lively conversation about what it takes to go into business and carving your own path in bold, unconventional ways. Thanks for listening. Jacobs. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You know when I came up with the idea for the podcast you were one of the people on my list to talk to just because I think your story is so unconventional in a lot of ways. Can you talk a little bit about when you got the idea to start cooking?
1: Kind of came up when I was working at Kamara preschool. I was just young out of high school. Not really sure what I was going to do with myself or, you know, how I was going to achieve my career. I would make all the kids the snacks. Um, I would just be creative with it. Uh, you know, kids should try new things while they're young. So I would make them, you know, different types of pastas or stir fries and then a pair one day said to me you should cook for a living and then that kind of just sparked the idea in my head like yeah I enjoy cooking I like cooking maybe that's what I should go into.
0: Was that something you hadn't
1: thought of before? Yeah I mean I thought about it but maybe not like as a career choice. I think I just enjoyed, you know, my family cooks, but it was never necessarily something that was like, I want to go into cooking. I just enjoyed feeding people. Right. How
0: did your family react when you decided to go into cooking? Just because... Oh, cooking? Yeah, just because growing up in Marin, you know the deal. Everyone's like, oh, you got to go to college to be successful. How did they react?
1: My dad's a huge foodie and he loves food, so he was just stoked because you know, in his mind, he thought he was going to get like a personal chef uh, <laughs> that can make him meatballs all the time. And then, you know, my mom probably was happy because then she thought that she probably didn't have to cook anymore. <laughs> they were just happy that I was doing something. Their reaction to it was like, cool, we like cooking, we love it. There's like an industry out there, and there's successful people out there and to them it made sense.
0: So you decide to go for it and... You end up looking at a couple different cooking schools. What made you settle on Tant Marie?
1: It was small. It was cute. It was personal. And it was a six-month mo- uh, six uh, course versus like a two-year program. You know, and I have my attention span is short. So I was like, oh, this is perfect.
0: So I kind of think I know the answer to this question, but what kind of student were you?
1: I would get in trouble in class for a like- experimenting and not following the recipes the way that I was told to follow the recipes. <laughs> and she'd be like, my teacher, like, we won't name any names. <laughs> but my, <laughs> She would get super frustrated with me because, you know, I'm just me. Like through, we had access to alcohol. I would always throw brandy into my desserts. <laughs> she would always be like, what, what, what's in here? And I'm like, brandy. And she's like, it doesn't say that on the recipe. I'm like, but does it taste good isn't that the point doesn't it just taste good but anyways I love that she she didn't she, you know authority you know I do well with it sometimes but other times I'm just like whatever well,
0: so you as a you, you as a cooking student wasn't very much different from you as a high school student
1: no not at all <laughs> <laughs> not at all but I don't think my teacher had much hope for me in the industry whatsoever. I mean, Mm. I think she kind of just thought, yeah, you can make a good dish, but you don't have the discipline. She definitely projected that.
0: Well, that's interesting because so much about cooking is about being creative and and innovative, right? So that wasn't encouraged though.
1: (laughs) No, it wasn't encouraged, you know, not until we graduated, I guess. I I just, I just did me as usual. Um, And also the thing is that like the owner loved me. So, uh, you know, when I, get those little (laughs) hints of love I I kind of take it to the extremes I kept doing me I eventually graduated and then I worked in the restaurant doing um, an internship there and it was actually at A16 in the marina they had me peeling fava beans for like nine hours I was like that kind of opened my eyes where I was like okay I don't think I want to be in restaurant like I don't want to be I don't. One, I was just like I didn't. I didn't want to work that hard for somebody else. I knew. So
0: you knew right away, pretty much, like that was not going to be the experience that you wanted to have for yourself.
1: Yeah, I knew right away. I was like, no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> just because I just know myself well enough that I was like, I'm not going to have somebody yelling at me.
0: So a couple months after you graduated, you ended up getting a gig at Otis downtown. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like?
1: I didn't really have any concepts in mind or experience in making a menu. So I just, you know, went in there. Their menu and what they wanted to do with it lasted two months okay. that I was there. And in those two months, they were like, we're going to get rid of happy hour. We need more room for the bar. But do you want to be a bartender? They wanted me to like just transition out of doing the happy hours, but okay. still making food for people that like came in. And they were more on the uh, higher end of things because they were downtown. So they had more of that clientele. So, But they would have like small events that would come in. And so then that was my first time planning a menu. Okay. And that menu was like, oh my God, when I think about it now, it was very creative. But it was it was super wacky. I would actually make the food on site. <laughs> and I would be doing it in front of people. And it was like, no, that's not how you do it anymore. <laughs> And it, and it wasn't a kitchen. It was a counter okay. at the bar <laughs> with an oven in the corner. So it was and just it like happened... happy
0: hour appetizers, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I did some pulled pork slider. I did little pizzas and charcuterie. You know, that was what I started off with. I would bartend and then I would do food for the, for their events and like their holiday parties there. And that's how catering like and that's kind of just how I fell into catering.
0: So when did that become its own thing when it was just when it was just you?
1: When it was just me, probably two thousand and six, seven. I was young. I mean I was still in my early twenties when I was doing that. I mean and for me to get, you know, Seven hundred dollars off something. I was like, "Yeah, that's what I'm talking about." Like, we're going out tonight. (laughs) But you know, game over. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And also, at that time, when you start any sort of business, it's like you're working out of your house. You know, you don't, you can't afford to get any kitchen or place where like is an establishment. I didn't have any costs like that, and it's like the food I was getting. I'd go to grocery stores or I'd go to cash and carry or something like that just to get stuff. I was at Otis for almost seven years. And then when they closed their doors, this is what I like doing. I like catering for for parties. I like catering for people. So now it's like now I really got to like start it on my own.
0: So you kept you kept um, working at Otis even as you were starting the catering.
1: Yeah, and I was like I'd still bartend and I mean I would only be catering, you know, when when they had a party and in, in most of the time it was just during the holidays. Otis closed and then it was like really going on my own and it was like, Okay, well how do I find clients? How do I get my name out there? I looked on websites, I saw different apps, um, that you could put yourself out there. And then like another method that I thought would be helpful was you know at the time now I'm living in Oakland I started doing pop-ups and I would do pop-ups for art murmur you know this is when like the art murmur was on a block out here and I would do sliders um, and that was my thing was doing sliders but then what happened was that people wanted me to start doing pop-ups but like my idea to doing pop-ups was just so people could be like, "Oh, wow, her food's good. Maybe we want to hire her for something else." And then I also <laughs> I didn't realize that uh, you know, I had so many friends that worked in corporate and so then uh slowly like I would just get hired for, you know, a random job here, a random job there. Basically, was just like a, a slow growing process. And it's still, even when I did that, I mean, I was still working out of my house, you know, right. I was still just using my kitchen. You did know, you so find
0: that each event was giving you um, more references? Were you able to build off of those events
1: and expand yeah. your clientele? Yeah, totally. But it kind of took a while.
0: That was part one of my conversation with Hilary Jacobs. Come back for part two, where we continue to talk about the challenges of running a business and Hillary discusses food and some of the things that inspire her recipes.